So Restoration Church, you are, I believe you're the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. You are the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Isaiah 61 says that God says instead of your shame, you will have double honor. And I want to say this over Restoration Church. I prophesy this over this church. You and Vanessa and the leadership of this church, I'm here to say that God is saying instead of shame, you will have double honor. God is saying you are the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The Westminster Catechism stated this, is that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's man's chief end. The reason why we exist is to glorify God. That's why I love glorify Jesus everywhere. Isn't that awesome? I love this church. Glorify God everywhere and enjoy him. You know what I love? You know, you know guys are like, oh man, you know, we need to, I'm here to say you, you know what I love about this church is that I can sense that you guys are enjoying it. I go to churches. Some people, I've, some people, you know, you go to church, it looks like the people are going to a funeral. And when they come out, it looks like they've been to a funeral. I'm so glad that this church is not like that. Is that okay? Can you just like, hey men or hey women or hey something? I'm sorry, I'm, a, I'm an African, so I'm, I'm learning. But, but I'm here to say that this church, you're part of something great. I also want to say thank you for your partnership because you guys are part of what God is doing in more than 100 nations, 106 nations all over the world. We partner with NCMI, New Covenant Ministries International. There's churches in 106 nations of the world, like us, connected to us. We are part of something big. And what I felt like, I felt like we can sometimes be so distracted by the smallness of our little life. We can be distracted by our school, the kids, my, the school my kids go to, and, and the work that I go, and, and, and the train I need to catch, and, and the car that needs to go to the workshop for, 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 for repairs or something. I can be distracted by medical bills. I can be distracted by my little, how to run my finances, and, and I can be distracted by the littleness of life. And the enemy wants to make your world small. But God is a big God. And he wants to tell you that you're part of something big. If you get saved, you don't just get saved from sin. You also get saved into a new life, into a new reality. You get saved out of smallness and into bigness. What I love about the city that you guys are living in is you get the privilege to be part of a big city, in a big nation, with a big vision. The reason why the city is so great is because men went before us and they believed a big God. D.L. Moody, it was the says, if God, if God be your partner, make your plans great. Yeah. You need to think big. Because yeah. we have a big God, right? And uh, Psalm chapter 2 verse, can I share with you what it means to think big? Psalm chapter 2 verse 8 says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. Isn't that awesome? Now he's speaking to Jesus. And remember now, we are in Christ. It says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this. It says that, that, that it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Meaning that I am now in Christ. The promises God made to Jesus are the same promises he made to me. So if God promised Jesus the nations for his inheritance, guess what your inheritance is. The nations are your inheritance. Now, I don't know about you. If, if I get a phone call, just imagine this. You get a phone call from a distant family member that says your great-grandfather left you an inheritance. And it's like $2 billion. You're like, okay, and um, oh, I don't know. 
funny. I'm like, I'll get to you next year. You know, I'm a little bit busy. Come on. That's how we deal with the inheritance that our father left us. Our father left us an inheritance, and this inheritance is the nations of the world. It's lives that get saved. There's people that are in, they're on their way to hell, and God wants to deliver them from the snatches of death. God wants to set people free. That's what you and I have been given. When Jesus Christ died, we became beneficiaries of an inheritance, of a will, of a testament, which is an inheritance that we can take hold of today. I want to ask you, are you taking hold of your inheritance? Are you taking hold of your inheritance? You know how we, I'm going to share with you this morning how you can take hold of that inheritance. But I believe that, it, that it's not just far out there, but it's actually very close to us. The kingdom of God is at hand, eh? It's not far. It's at hand. Do you understand that? John Wesley said this. He said, if the world is not your parish, your parish will become your world. So if the world's not the place where you're reaching people and you're ministering to people, you know what happens? Your little place where you live will become your world. I believe God's got more for us. When I looked at Jesus, God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall, ever shall believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I just want to tell you a little story. We've got a, we've got a little one. We've got three kids and the youngest. Um, we teach them to have quiet time, you know, spend time in the word every day. And I mean, obviously, most kids, in, if you grow up in a Christian home, you know John 3.16, because God so loved the world, you know. <laughs> so this boy, he goes, and we're like, okay, guys, go and have quiet time, and then we'll come back together, and we'll talk about what Jesus said to us, you know. So this Two older kids, the oldest one, he reads the Bible Project. He likes the Bible Project, so he watches their videos and what, what. The younger one, she's got a devotional. She writes, and she's very good. So then the last one, so we come back. We're like, hey, what did Jesus tell you? And the one tells, no, Jesus, I was going through the book of Philippians. I'm like, oh, that's good. The other one's like, hey, I learned about trusting God. And this last one, we're like, what did you learn? He says, no. Because we looked like we thought, we didn't see him read anything, you know. So he said, no, Jesus gave him uh, John 3.16. So we're like, really? He said, I said, where did you read it? He says, no, I read it in my head. He says, I just read it. And this boy, what he does is, is he's, just, he's just like lazy to read, you know. So he's just, he just decided, well, that's his quiet time. He's just going to remember John 3.16. <laughs> so tomorrow, he, like, he does that. He like, just remembers one psalm and then he remembers it for five days. And that's his, which is good. He's meditating on the word. It's great. I'm, I'm, he's getting there. He was, he was 10 at the time, so give him some slack. But I'm here to say that John 3.16, Jesus didn't just, God didn't just love Chicago. He didn't just love this neighborhood. He didn't just love your family. He loved the whole world. His death on the cross was enough for you, but it was not just enough. It was more than enough. It was for the whole world. You know, have you ever heard of what happened in 1964 in Kew Gardens? Have you ever heard of Kew Gardens? Um, in, in Queens, New York, there was this lady called Kitty Genovese. Uh, she was stabbed by a robber, and this became a big theological, uh, uh, not a psychological study, because what happened was this lady was screaming for help. And you know what happened to her? Have you ever heard of this? You can go and Google it. It's, it's, it's a phenomenon. It's like 38... Listen to this, friends. 38 people witnessed the killing. Either heard or saw what happened to this girl. 
What happened was the the perpetrator came and he and he started abusing her and she she shouted out loud and then some lights went on in, in the apartment blocks around her. And as the lights went on, the robber ran ran away. The the perpetrator ran away. So when he ran away, he was looking. Does anyone come out? And because no one came out, five minutes later, he came and he killed her. True story. We're talking 1964 in Queens, New York. And they interviewed 38 people. 38 people heard, 38 people saw. Some of them saw and some of them heard. And they asked, they could not understand. Like, why did no one come out? And the reason why they didn't come out, they were scared. Because they felt they are going to be vulnerable. Remember that? Think about it. If someone is out there, they, you're going to be vulnerable. You're going to be scared. So rather stay at a distance and hope nothing happens. And then when it happens, you've got, you're powerless. I'm here to see you. That our King Jesus, when he left heaven as a missionary, he knew that we were being murdered. Mankind was being murdered. Mankind was being assaulted. We were being abused by the Jesus Christ left heaven he didn't just switch on the light even though he is the light of the world he didn't just stay at a distance and say I'll send a messenger you know what Jesus Christ did he came he made himself vulnerable not just risking his life but giving his life not just risking his life he gave his life he came down he didn't just speak about it he's like he didn't just say like Okay, that's all right. I'll switch on the light and hopefully, hopefully the devil will stop messing with God's children. No, he came down to deal with the enemy. Now you and I, your friends, we can either have the heart of Jesus to say, Jesus, empower us to get involved in people's lives. Or we can stay at a distance and say, no, no, it's all right. Let's hope for the best. Now I want to join Jesus. Is that all right? <laughs> Jesus got killed for us. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Have you ever heard of what happened to um, David? David comes with his, remember with his men, 600 men? They come back to Ziklag in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Remember that? And in 1 Samuel 30, we see them come there. And I mean, this is their safe place. This is their safe place. So what happens was, they get there, and all their wives, all their children, all their belongings, stolen from them. The Amalekites came and raided that whole village. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 that David and his men, they wept so loud that they did not, they took place where they did not have any more energy to weep. Like, have you ever wept that much? I've heard people weep. You know, losing a child. This, these guys have lost wives, children, all their possessions, all their belongings, all their valuables, gone. They wept so loud that, listen friends, they were so distraught that they decided to kill David. They needed to blame someone. So they decided to kill David. So David was like, I am going to die today. And so what David does, the Bible says in verse 5 of 1 Samuel 30, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Remember that? He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And I believe David had like a resurrection moment. He came to the end of David and he rose to the power of God. And he went to his men and he said, guys, the enemy stole our wives and our children. But we're going to go back to the enemy's camp. And we're going to take back what the enemy stole from us. We're 
going to go back to the enemy's camp, but we're going to go and bring redemption, bring freedom, bring liberty to the captives. Right? Now, you might be saying to me, but Mark, how can we do that? I'm here to say to you that David was just a prophetic picture. You know, David was a prophetic man. He was just a prophetic picture of our Jesus Christ, our King, our King, left heaven, and he came to the earth. And you know what he saw? He saw women and children. He saw the vulnerable. He saw the children of God literally captive, taken captive by the enemy. And you know what happened? His own men, his own people, didn't just talk of killing him. They murdered him. His own people murdered him. Sorry, bro, your name again? Dollar? And? Are you guys married? Not married. Sisters? Friends? Dollar. Is your name Dollar? Dollar. Dollar. Great, I'm getting there, bro. Forgive me. I just felt like the Lord just this morning wanted to say to you specifically, my friend, you're in Restoration Church because Jesus is wanting to restore in your life. I feel like God is not only going to restore to you what the enemy stole, but I also feel like God is saying, I'm going to use you to bring restoration, not only to family, but also to friends. I believe you're going to be a vessel of restoration wherever you go. My friend, I felt like God is saying, literally, I sense like his favor is upon you, not only to be restored, but also to bring restoration in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless you, my friend. Bless you. So watch this. Watch what happens. These guys come. I mean, I'm preaching about restoration. I'm in at restoration church. Jesus, that's awesome. That's amazing. Watch this. They come to Ziklag and they want to kill their own guy. Jesus Christ comes to earth. And we don't just, he doesn't, they don't only speak about killing him. His own people kill him. And murder him. But you know what I love? Is Jesus Christ had a resurrection moment. Just like David had a resurrection moment. Jesus Christ had a resurrection moment. And you know what he does after resurrection? He comes and he, literally after resurrection, he meets with his disciples. And he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, or actually first in, in Matthew 28, he says, come to me. And they worship him. And then he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Not just Chicago. Not just Illinois. Not just the USA, but all nations. Ah, wow. He says this. He says, he says, you'll be received power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts 1 verse 8. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Not, you know, most people come to me and say, Mark, Chicago's a bleak place. Leave us alone. We'll just be here. We, this is a lot of work, Sam. I mean, it's a lot of work here. Let's just first sort Chicago out and then we'll go to the Illinois. Then we'll sort it. I'm here to say to you, friends, Jesus didn't say Jerusalem or Samaria or Judea or the ends of the earth. He said Jerusalem and Samaria uh, and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It's all four at once. You can be part of God touching lives all four at once. That's what this church is about. It's about being blessed so that you can be a blessing. Abraham, you can be blessed so that through you, your whole family can be blessed. Is that what God said to him? God said to him in Genesis 12, Abraham, you're going to be blessed so that through you, all the nations of the world can be blessed. See, when God blesses us, he bless, you know, God blesses. 
Not just enough. God blesses more than enough. You know why? Because God's got a purpose for them more than enough. God doesn't want people to drink from your cup. God wants people to drink from your saucer. They'll overflow. Restoration Church, God doesn't just want you to have enough so that you can fill a building here and pay the bills and, 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 and bless people in your homes. That's going to happen. That is already happening. But God's got more for you. God wants to touch nations through you. Amen? Isn't that exciting? So guess what Jesus does? Jesus gets resurrected. And just like David, David takes his 600 men and they go back to the enemy's camp and they redeem, they bring liberty to the captives. What is Jesus calling you and me to do? To join him, our king, to take us into the places, into the neighborhoods, into the cities, into the nations, into the other states of this country and say, Lord, how can we bring liberty, freedom, restoration to those who are captive. You might say to me, but Mark, you don't understand. I can't always go. I've got work. I've got kids. Time is valuable and not, there's not an unending supply of time. Am I right? You might say there's some resources. We don't have an unending supply of resources. I need to watch the budget. I'm here to say to you that we don't, we can't always, all of us can not always go. Because even with David, out of the 600 men, 200 had to stay behind. Not all 600 could go at the same time. Restoration Church, don't put a heavy on yourself just because you can't always go. You can always be part of the going, but you don't always need to go. I believe we always need to trust God to go. But if we can't always go because we can't get time off work or because our kids are maybe small or maybe we're going through a season, a transition season or maybe our family needs us or maybe our church at home needs us, so there's a season. We can't always, always go, right? Maria and I, we by the grace we could go this time. We are here. Our church sent us. They went without us for the last three weeks. Praise God for them. <laughs> right? I'm like, Jesus, we're going to come back. Hopefully it's better than what it was when we were. <laughs> it's difficult to go. Let's be honest. It's difficult to go. My kids are on the other side of the world. I'm like, Jesus, I want to be there with my kids. I love being in my home. It's great to be at your own house. Am I right? But what God said this to me, he said, he said, even though not everyone can go, there's people back at home that sent us. They might be part of the 200. We are part of the 400. Now watch this. Here's a promise. That if you're in a church like Restoration Church, you would not just be someone, a church that says, you know what, going is just for the missionaries. Going is just for the Moody Bible Institute graduates. Go. That's how we think. I'm here to say to you, a single mom can go. A business executive can go. When I read the scriptures, I see how Paul engaged with, with Aquila and Priscilla. These were business people. They were, on the, they were on mission with Jesus. I'm here to say to you that mission is not just something that happens out there. Mission is a lifestyle. Because if you are one with Jesus, he is the greatest missionary that's ever lived. I'm here to say to you that mission is a daily reality. And so it says here, there's a promise that if you send people, and restoration, I know you partner with NCMI, so that means you are part of what God is doing globally. I know that you send people. I know one of these days you're going to probably plant people out. Yeah. That's right. That's the promise of God over this church. You're called to be a base church. Watch this. There's a promise for you. But David said, my brethren. So what happened was, when the 400 came back with the wives and the children and the stuff, they said to the 200, you can have your wives and your kids, but you're having nothing else. We'll give you 
the, the free captives. We'll give you the souls, but we're not going to give you the spoils. And I'm here to say, God shares the inheritance with all of us. Watch this. It says, David says, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Who gives us the inheritance? The Lord. Who has preserved us and delivered us, delivered into our hand the troop that came against us? Who will head heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, watch this, so shall his part be with, with the one who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. I've got amazing news to you that as we join our King Jesus after he's been resurrected to go into the enemy's camp and to bring freedom from the captives, some can go and some can stay, but we can all share the same inheritance because we can be in this together. You and Vanessa can go and you can be in this together. Someone else in this can go and you can be in it together. You don't always have to go, but when you do go, others are with you. And when they go, you are with them. Because watch this, he says, it will be a statute or an ordinance. Now when God sets a statute or an ordinance, you must understand it's established. It, it, it's multi-generational. It's not limited to that generation. He says, so it was from that day forward, he made a statute. Can you say statute? A statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. This is the promise of God. This is something that's unmovable. God's saying, restoration, you go, some of you go, some of you stay, you share the same inheritance. You know, Hudson Taylor said, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. I've got good news for you. That, that Restoration Church, you know that you guys are not only taking hold of an inheritance in the nations, but you also take hold of an inheritance in the neighborhoods. Because in this room, there are people in business, there are people in education, there are people in the medical field, there are people in different fields, right? Construction, it could be you, you might be in different fields. I'm here to say to you that it's not just, <laughs> you don't just come to church on a Sunday, you are the church seven days a week. This is an amazing thing. This means that Jesus said this. He said this in John 20 verse 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So if you are a teacher, the Father is sending you on mission to your school. If you're a student, the Father is sending you on mission to your place of education. If you are working in a company, the Father is sending you into that company on mission. You're in the mission field. Hey? That means that you and Vanessa are part of every single one of your workplaces and your influence fields. And you are part of every one of the influence fields. We are part of each other's influence fields. You're living a bigger life than your own little life. You, you, you're going to, could I ask you tomorrow morning to not go to work for a paycheck? Could I ask you tomorrow morning to go to work for Jesus? For the mission of God. Say, Jesus, you know what, Lord? I don't know if these people will ever hear a word that I say, but I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to love on them, and I'm going to be Jesus at work tomorrow. Amen. I'll tell you a story. Because as Jesus sent, as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending us, right? There's this lady, this teacher, that worked at a school that was a secular school. You're not allowed to mention the name of Jesus in the school. Secular school, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. 
You're not allowed to share your faith at the school. This is very strict. I mean, you guys are familiar with schools like that. Am I right? Many schools are like that. She's a teacher at the school. She said, Lord, I don't want to be at the school. All of them anti-God. I want to go to a Christian school. And she prayed. And God said, could it be that I actually want you at that school? To be a missionary in that school. Hmm. So she prayed. And she decided, okay, I'm going to go to school an hour early. Before anyone else gets there. And I'm going to walk the, school, the hallways praying. Not telling anyone that I'm praying. Because, hey, I'm not allowed to pray. You know? Walk in the hallways, pray for the teachers, pray for the kids, pray for the administration block, pray for what happens at the school. Pray. She prays week one, week two, week three, month one, month two, month... More than a year she prays. She sees nothing. I, wonder, I think I would have given up, eh? <laughs> one morning she's busy praying and she overheard years a conversation where this lady says, this lady is the wife of the principal, of the head of, like, I don't know, the head, yeah. So she's the wife, and they are, they don't believe that, you know, the supernatural God can heal, they don't believe that. So this lady says, I was at the doctor, we've done all these tests, I've got, it's an autoimmune disease and they can do nothing for me. They can't find a cure for me. So as she says this, they can't find a cure for me. The lady says, I've just heard you say the doctor can't find a cure for you. Would you mind me praying for you? Now, you must understand, if you've done all the tests and you've tried everything and you're still feeling sick, you'll take anything. I mean, whatever. I mean, pray, I'll let me try it. Because, I mean, I've got no other options. She prays for her in the hallway. You want to hear what happened? She gets healed. I'm, I'm telling you, she goes back for tests like no more. She goes and tells her husband. All of a sudden, there's like this openness to the gospel. Now, I mean, I'm not talking now, she's preaching it over the microphone. It's just, there's this openness to the gospel. And this lady gets influence in the highest place of that school with the gospel. Why? Because she understood that as the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending me to work. Is that right? So you might say, but Mark, where does that leave me? I want to share four things with you that's going to help you to make what you do here part of what God is doing all over the world. Firstly, could I ask you to pray? You can't always go, but you can always pray. You, can, you can't always give, but you can always pray. You can always pray. Like, Jesus said this. He said, he said the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest, pray, that the Lord of the harvest will send harvesters into the harvest field. I'm here to say to you that if, if, if anything, friends, could you put a reminder on your phone because I'm going to forget. Do, do you forget? Do you forget to pray sometimes? Or are you holier than me? <laughs> I forget to pray. So I need to put a reminder on my phone. I need to put a reminder on my calendar. Pray. But you know, just put there, pray for cities, pray for nations. Maybe you can pray for a nation by name, Mexico. Maybe you can pray for Argentina. Maybe you can pray for South Africa. That will really be amazing. We need your prayers. Or you can pray for this nation, the United States. Or you can pray for Canada. I mean, they don't need prayer, but it's fine. No, no, I'm just joking. They need a lot. All of us need prayer. I'm just joking. I know the Canadians have a thing with you guys. So, um, I'm telling you, we can pray. Jesus said this. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Pray. I'm here to say that it's amazing. When you pray, something happens in your heart. If you, if you have to get yourself a little map, of the world. Just so you can see, pray for the Philippine Islands. 
Pray for Hong Kong. They need prayer now. China and Hong Kong, they need prayer now. You can be part of what God's doing. You can send your prayers ahead of yourself. You can pray for the harvesters. They need your prayers. Is that all right? Yes. Number two, I want to ask you to go every day. Go every day. Charles Spurgeon said this, you will never make a missionary of the person who does no good at home. He that will not serve the Lord in the Sunday school at home will not win children to Christ in China. Honestly, I thought to myself, you, if, if, if I had to teach, if I had to preach this morning, all I'm saying to you is, the nations, the nations, the nations, and you're not learning how to be on mission here, you'll never be on mission there. That's something God's challenging me with. It's sometimes easier to go to a place where no one knows me, where no one cares about me, but to be here. To tell that co-worker, listen, um, can I pray for you? Hey? Or to really make someone my, my prayer blessing person and they don't even know about it. I'm just blessing them. They don't know that I'm blessing them. Hello? I'm here to say that your work is your mission field. Family meals are a mission opportunity. Is that right? Friendships. Wow, man. You can have coffee at a coffee shop with friends and you can minister Jesus to them. Is that right? Like I said, schools and Sundays. I just wanted to pause here. Sundays are a great opportunity to go. You might but Mark, no, we're not going. We're staying. <laughs> no, no. You can be on mission on Sunday. You can either come to Sunday to think, it's for me. Lord, bless me. Bless us. Bless us for and no more. You know, bless me, myself, Irene. Like, you can think like that. Gimme, give gimme, give my name is Jimmy. You can think like that. Or you can come to church saying, Lord, I'm trusting that someone that's far from you can come and hear the good news of Jesus. Someone that's far from you, oh man, maybe I can invite them to church. You and Vanessa's testimony, someone invited them to a meeting. They got saved and today, beautiful church called Restoration Church. Huh? Hello? Someone invited them. When, could you pray about people to invite? Could you fast for someone? Could you pray for them before you invite them? Sometimes we invite them before we pray for them. I'd say pray for them and then invite them. I, I would like to tell you a testimony. I, I, I was invited to go to see a business guy, a very, very um, prominent, wealthy, and big business in our city. They've got about 230 people working for them directly, but then he's got subcontractors of more than 3,000 people working for the subcontractors that work on, he does, he builds a lot of housing and like a big construction company. And this guy said to me, no, it's great, you can come see me in, your, in my office. So I get there, I'm obviously, it's like, gee, you know, I don't want to just, I don't know how much he knows about Jesus and what, what. And um, I'm in his office and, he, and you know, I've learned everyone's got a need. They, they might be driving a Ferrari, which he does, but they have another, other needs. His son has been, he hasn't had contact with his son for a long time. And to see a wealthy, successful man say to me, Mark, I say, what can I pray for you for? He says, pray for my son. Pray for his son in his office. God touched him. I mean, we had a moment there together. He brings his wife to church that Sunday morning. Sunday we said, who would like to give their lives to the Lord? Him and his wife commit their lives to Jesus. The next week, they bring their two, her two sons, because he was divorced and he's got remarried. Her two sons come with. We say, who wants to give their lives to the Lord? These two sons give their lives to the Lord. I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at this guy. I'm, he's now, you know what? We have Bible studies in his boardroom every Monday morning. He is on mission now. He's like, hey, I've got to bring this to work. 
he got saved like that, and now, I mean, I look at this, and I'm like, Jesus, you can do it. I, I'm here to study. You, you can, don't waste the time. When, if you go, I don't know, you guys shop, I don't know. Do you guys shop at Target? I don't know. Wherever else. I mean, I see all the little shops. Costco, all that stuff, right? Don't waste any time. When you're putting gas, don't waste it. I went to the shop one Friday. Get to the shop, there's this guy. He, he greets me. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? He says, yeah, no, lacquer, lacquer. Sorry, lacquer is an Afrikaans way of saying nice, 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 you know. So anyway, I say, hey, you know, good, good. I greet him. I'm, I mean, I haven't seen this guy in 20 years. I see he's got a little kid. I'm like, this guy got married. He's got a child, an eight-year-old child. I leave not thinking any about it, anything about it. He finds me on social media, on Facebook. He says the next day, this was Friday, Saturday he finds me. He says, Mark, yesterday when you greeted me in the, in the shop, he says, I experienced the love of God when you touched me. And to be honest, I'm not like super spiritual. I didn't walk in there like levitating and praying in tongues. Oh, I just went normally like, oh, no, no, no. Like, honestly, like nothing special. But I'm here to say to you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You don't even realize it. You don't have to feel it. You need to know this. God is going with you to work. He's going with you to the shops. He's going with you everywhere. Amen. This guy says, I experienced the love of God. He says, my daughter is eight and I need to take her to church. He says, what time is your service tomorrow? I'm like, okay, now we're talking, my man. I didn't push, I didn't ask him. He asked me. Comes to church on the Sunday morning. We're preaching on forgiveness. I mean, it's just amazing, the timing. Who wants to give their lives to the Lord? Him and his wife walk to the front. But they are weeping. I can see the conviction of the Holy Spirit on them. I'm like, wow, God, you're touching these people. From one little connect, connect in a shop. Now they're giving their lives to the Lord. The next week, they go to the members class. They join the church. But he brings another friend from work. He brings someone from work. This guy joins the church. The next week, they're going to get baptized. Both. Husband and wife getting baptized. And they're dedicating their children. Because they're like, hey, we need to bring our kids up in the way of the Lord. I'm talking two weeks of their lives. The third Sunday, they get baptized, dedicate the children, and the colleague says, he brings his fiance, which is unsaved, he brings her to church because he's like, we need to come and witness the baptism. She gets saved. Gives her life to Jesus. They've been living together for five years, and they realize, hey, now we, this is colleague and the wife, and the fiance, they're like, we need to come get, we need to serve Jesus. We want to live righteously before God. They just got, they just got married. It's not that. They got married in December because they want to live their life right before God. I'm like, Jesus, how much can you do with a greeting on a Friday afternoon at a shop? Restoration Church, God's got more for you. You're part of something far bigger than yourselves. So I want to ask you to go every day. The third thing I want to ask you to do, encourage us to do, is to give financially. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church in Philippi and he says, your gift, your gift has actually empowered the gospel to go beyond you. And then he says this, he says, he says this is an apostolic gift. It's not a, it wasn't a church gift, it was an apostolic gift, which is really, really powerful. And then lastly, I want to ask you, ask God for an opportunity to go. Even if you can just go to the neighborhood down, down the road. Even if you can just go to a state next door. If you can go, ask God for opportunities to go. If it, even if it is just reaching out to poor people in another 
in, an, in another neighborhood. Ask God for opportunities to go. Start by saying, Lord, just make this your prayer. Lord, I'd like to go. It could be that you're going to find yourself on an airplane. I mean, Maria and I, sometimes it's like daunting for us to leave family, kids, properties, church, to leave that behind and fly on the other side of the, You're like, what if something goes wrong? I was like, can you trust me? I'm with you. Ask God for an opportunity to go. John G. Lake said this. If the church ever succeeds in doing that which God purposes we should do, it can only be when we, enter, when we enter into that divine compassion of the Son of God. Do not imprison Christ in you. Let him live. Let him manifest himself. Let him find vent through you. Let him find his vent through you. Let him live through you. Let him express his love to you, through you. Let's stand together. I'd like to pray for us. If you don't mind, maybe just opening your hands in front of you just as a sign of, Lord, here I am. Isaiah had that moment with, um, with the Lord when he saw the Lord. And his train filled the temple and he said, Who shall go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. And as you stand here, I want to ask you to personally just have a moment with Jesus. To ask him, Lord, empower me to go. Just while our eyes are closed, I'd like to read a, just a poem that C.T. Studd wrote. I believe that with our hands open, we can say, Lord, my life is yours. It says in C.T. Studd wrote this, two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before the judgment seat. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. Bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, and when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say it was worth it all. Only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Jesus, with our hands open,
We are stirred in our hearts to live our lives for you. To breathe every breath for your glory. And to enjoy you. Lord, with our hands open, we say, Lord, here I am. Even this afternoon, around the meal, even while I'm on social media or while I'm at work, connecting with friends and family, use me as a vessel in your hands. I'm yours, God. Only one life, my life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for you, Jesus Christ, will last. I speak your blessing over every man and woman in this room. Blessing over Restoration Church, God, that we would see more and more people get saved in this church, that we'll invite people to this place so that they can find the freedom of Christ. In Jesus' name.